on. Okay. I'll stay on. Yep. All right, Facebook and Hockey Factory uh, skaters out there, I'd just like to welcome you guys to uh, another installment of Views from the Bench. Uh, today I have my college hockey coach on, uh, Coach yep. Dave Rooley. How you doing? Just great, Ryan. How are you doing today? I'm awesome, awesome. Thanks for coming on today. And um, you know, you, having you coached me a lot, I learned a lot of the stuff I I, I teach now and I coach uh, with my kids. So um, I just want to say thank you for all that. You shared a lot of wisdom with me, and it was a it was a great four years I had at Lawrence. I wouldn't trade them for the world. I learned a lot. I grew up as a person, and uh, I, I owe a lot of that to you. And so I, I really do appreciate a lot of that. But um, uh. You know, before we get in the interview uh, with some hard questions about youth hockey and things like that, I just want you to tell me a little bit about yourself, your playing career, your coaching career. Sure. Yeah, um, Ryan. And first off, I mean, it was a pleasure having you on board up at Lawrence. Um, always an amazing player to watch, and you brought mm-hmm. a lot to our program. You know, and I think we'll touch on some of that today, too. Um, I grew up in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, grew up playing for a now-defunct youth club called the Madison West Flyers, and um you know, I was just blessed, I think, that my parents gave me a lot of opportunity along the way. Um, as I got older, I played a lot of different places, actually. I, I actually played at Madison Memorial High School. I played for the Capitals back before they had U8 and 12 teams. You know, it was just U16 and U18, so we played that freshman year. We couldn't make our high school team at that age. And then uh, went down to Culver. Played there for a couple of years, had an awesome experience down there, and actually went back and coached there a little later on, worked there. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm back in Madison. Um, well, I played at Providence College as well, yeah. and um, got drafted by Montreal in 93, 94. Um, so, you know, hockey gave me a lot, and I'm just happy I'm able to give back in some way. Awesome. And after you graduated from Providence, you you had a you had a bunch of coaching stops. Can you elaborate on a few of the stops you've had along the way until where you're at right now? Sure. Yeah. Um, so right right after uh, Providence, and I graduated from there, I went back to Culver, and I was able to coach. At that point, they had five teams: three boys teams, two girls teams. Um, my first ever head coaching job was with a girls team, which mm-hmm. was to this day a great experience because they listened to you which yeah. is really nice. Um, I went on and coached the varsity boys team as well there for a few years. Went up to Lawrence University where it was uh, Division Three, mm-hmm. um, where I met you, you know, and a whole bunch of other great people in that Fox Valley area. And then moved back down to Culver again, coached there again. And now I'm, I've been back in Madison for probably the last eight years, and I've been involved with the youth hockey program and high school programs here. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so one of the things that we want to talk about uh, was like successful coaches and things like that at the uh, youth hockey level um, and practice plans and, and, and overall long-term development. Um, we had an interesting talk about practices and, and, and time on ice. And uh, one of the questions we have is give me your first five minutes on the ice. What are things you stress to your coaches and everything else like that? Well, I, I, Brian, that, that is a very good question, and I think that it, it doesn't just start with the first five minutes. Okay. Um, you know, like anything that we do in our daily, day-to-day lives, it's about communication and making sure that all the coaches are on the same page. So what I generally try to do as a rule of thumb is make sure that I have all my practice plans done the night before practice hits. Mm-hmm. And over the years um, – with being a part of Middleton Youth Hockey and being their coaching director for almost the last six years now, 
Um, it, it's been trying, but if you can instill different types of things into your coaches to make sure that when you hit that ice, as soon as the Zamboni doors close, um, and either start off with, let's say, power skating. Um, I like dividing up the ice into the three zones and doing keep away, you know, yeah. 30 seconds of keep away, two shifts, whatever, you know, keep things moving, um, but bring some excitement to it too. And yeah. I think that that generally carries over to the players. They see you're excited about stuff. They tend to give a little bit more, be more compassionate about what's going yeah. on out there. Um and then for those stragglers, too, because we had that at the Youth Association where we have kids walking in ten, five minutes before with nothing on and trying to get everything going. Um, if, if they know that practice starts as soon as the Zamboni doors close and they're not out there screwing around for ten minutes while they can get dressed, you don't even have to say anything to them and their families because those kids yep. will want to be ready to go. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, they come on the ice while drills are already going and they're going to – they're going to realize real quick that, you know, I got to do this, you know? Yeah. It's funny you bring that up because it's one of the things that I try to do with my first practice is to make sure people are on time and, and prepared. And one of the things that we do is uh, you love to get in skating like that. But one of the things that our coaches do is we do a, we do a game where our coaches play the kids. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's incredibly fun. It takes about three to five minutes, but what it does is it makes sure that everyone is ready to go on time. It gets rid of the stragglers. It gets rid of that. We know with the first five minutes of practice, we're hitting the ice and we're hitting it hard with a super fun drill. Um, yep. We go all out for it. But you brought up preparation and things like that. Uh, one of the things I thought you were fantastic with as a college coach is you were made sure that your assistant coaches were there. They were um, they, they knew their roles. They knew what their responsibilities were. Um, but can you elaborate on some of the rules or the, the roles and responsibilities that you've set for your assistant coaches? Well, it, it, again, it goes back to yep. communication yep. And, and putting a roadmap together. You yep. know, um, I think we were fortunate at that point. We had, I think, uh, Coach Chisel. Yep. Very mindful guy, um, very yep. into psychology and all those different mm-hmm. types of things. So he had a lot of great ideas, and I got to pick and choose kind of from them what I thought would really work for yep. our guys. But, you know, when, when you're looking into the preparation and putting guys into roles, you got to look at their strengths too, mm-hmm. you know. You can't tell some guy who's just put on a pair of skates to go out there and run power skating, you know, like yeah. we just talked about, or yep. go shoot on the goalies when he doesn't know how to shoot. Um, so you got to be creative, and you always got to keep those lines of communication open, um, not just for the coaching staff, but for the players too, Yep. because you're all in this together. You're all a team. Yep. And um, that's what I tried to do when I had my coaching staffs. So I'd try to pick and choose and ask the guys, what do you feel comfortable with, you mm-hmm. know? Can you? Are you more of a guy who's going to go talk to guys one on one and lift them up, or are you a guy who's going to come up with a great, you know, flow drill that's going to keep everybody involved for you know however many minutes? So mm-hmm. those are the different ways that I looked at it. Yeah. And then talk about your last five minutes of your practice. What are things you're looking for at the last five minutes? What are things you're looking to instill in the kids? Yep. I'd say throughout the whole practice, I'm looking for game level, you know, attitude practice pace, everything like that. We practice like we play, you know, Mm -hmm. as everyone always says. But at that last five minutes, it kind of depends now that, you know, I'd say for a youth team, you want to have fun, you know. I don't like ending the practice with a bag skate, and I make sure that those kids know that, hey, you know what, if you're working as hard as you can every single drill, that is as good as we're going to get when it comes to conditioning 
as long as the practice and the drills we have are, are consecutive enough that they're going to get that cardio ratio that they need. Um, mm-hmm. but the last five minutes, you know, I've gone so far as asking the kids, hey, guys, give me ideas, you know, yep. like maybe before practice or something like that. What do you want to finish up practice with that's going to make you happy, fun, yep. and want to come back the next day? You know? when, you, when, you, when you ask those kids those questions about, you know, what are the things they're interested in doing, do you find that engages kids more? And, and how do you feel they, they respond to that? It absolutely engages yes. them. Um, you know, there's some kids at the beginning of a season, they're going to be scared to even look at you. Yep. You know, and as a coach, you don't really honestly feel like you have that power over kids. Mm-hmm. You know, just like your college story you described yeah. to me the other day, you know. I don't yeah. have any idea I had that much power over you and you were scared of me, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> but once you start breaking down those community, I mean, those barriers and those walls and everyone starts being able to be on the same page, you know, your kids will open up a lot of things to you too that maybe you didn't realize were going on. Yep. Um, things that you can build on as a team. Mm-hmm. Um, even in between periods in a game, I'd ask my kids, hey, what do you guys see out there? This yep. is what I see. Are you guys seeing it yep. too? At what level do you think that communication opens up for kids? Is it, I mean, because you go in there and you tell that to a mite, he's going to look at you and be like, ah, I don't know. But as, as you've coached throughout the years, what level do you feel that communication, you know, grows and it starts becoming not a, just me telling you as a coach, but it becomes an open line of communication where it becomes a conversation? Sure. Um, I would feel that you start cultivating, and one of the things I've even thought about yep. doing here recently is taking over a mite team. Yep and coaching them all the way on up through the ranks and see what happens. Just I'll be their coach for their hockey career, you know, Mm -hmm. and start. I think when you start um, fostering those relationships earlier um, for little kids, you can call them Ovechkin, you know, or you could call them Crosby. And every time you see them in the rink, you can be, Hey, Ovi, how are you doing? You know, little things to keep them smiling and little things that are going to keep them energized about the game. I think once you get up towards, what are the golden years of, of development and everything? I think they're more like probably around peewee years, you know? Peewee Bantam, and yeah. Or peewee Bantam. Yeah. Um, for those kids that have a vested interest in becoming better and by giving them the opportunity day in and day out, because you're not going to make everybody a superstar. Yep. But as long as you give them the opportunities and they start understanding more what we're trying to do, we're not just skating again you know, to skate. You know, I always say, who are the best hockey players? The best skaters. Yep. You know, those are the types of things that I try to just drill into their heads. And, um, you know, you get some kids that run with it and you get other kids that maybe fall by the wayside and it maybe just isn't for them, which is fine. Yep. Because there's still great experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in looking back, you know, you talk about mites and things like that. Looking back at, at your playing career, um, what are some of the things that you've seen the biggest difference in the game change, um, you know, from when you were maybe in high school to what you see in high school players right now? Well, um, I kind of lucked out, I think, when I was coming up mm-hmm. through the youth ranks. Um, my, my, one of my coaches was a guy by the name of Terry Mitro, and his assistant was Max Bentley. Uh, they okay. both played for the Badgers. They both won a national championship, and they were both from Sault Ste. Marie and – New hockey inside out. And all we basically did was breakouts, <laughs> four checks, and hardly any just skill development. Um, 
that was kind of left to us to do on our own. Yep. And in that time, everybody had a rink in their backyard. Mm-hmm. We were always going to someone's house to skate afterwards. So I don't think those opportunities are there as much as they used to be because we only get about four or five days of being able to skate outside each year. Yeah. But it was it was the respect, I think, that we had for those coaches. Mm-hmm. And then we were blessed with a bunch of good players, too. So we, we found winning, you know, success. And that just kind of was this big tidal wave that kind of just let us keep going and motivated us to do more. Yep. You know? And that's the thing. You bring up individual skills and stuff like that nowadays. And um, how much how much time for your practices do you try to uh, devote just to individual skills as opposed to, like, system plays and things like that? Boy, oh, boy. I mean, I'd say at the youth level, you know, I've got some ratios going that we used to yeah. do. You know, might squirt peewee bantam. You know, mm-hmm. 90% of the time should be skill development at the younger levels, yeah. you know, including skating and everything like that. More and more as you get older, obviously you're going to add in maybe 15 minutes of systems or something else along those lines. But for the most part, you know, I really feel that that when you're looking at those ratios and as a young youth coach, you want to shoot for the top right away and make sure that your kids are running an overload power play or something of that nature, you know? Yeah. And it's hard even – it was even hard for me not – when my kid was younger, Sean – not to go into something more complicated, you know, yep. because you felt like there, there's so much to learn, but the necessity is, and what I stress to the coaches at our youth level is keep these ratios to where they need to be and the results will come. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of taken a, you know, a, a, a leap a little bit, you know, yep. but at the same time, I think, it really does prove to be what you want to do. Same thing with game to practice ratios. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are out of control right now, in my opinion, you know, some of some, I think some teams are having a game for every practice. It's, it's close. It's the one-to-one ratio, even, even anything under two, I'm, I shake my head at, it's just, you know, and that's where I think a lot of people are going wrong is they're, they're looking at the hockey as like a win now mentality that if I win now as a might, I'm going to win as a squirt, win as a peewee. Right. And I think a lot of people get lost in that, that, that winning as a might does not correlate to winning in high school or becoming a better hockey player. If people understood that, that the game has changing to where it's so much more individual skills and the pressure to win was off, especially from the parent side, the parents could realize, take the pressure off the coach of winning. And watch how your practices change. Watch yeah. how the kids will improve and things like that, where um, you'll see the coach being able to go in there and be able to freely coach without having to worry about winning. Um, right. and, and I think that's a lot of things that happen nowadays in hockey. And it's, it's unfortunate that there's so much of a pressure to win, and not mm-hmm. only to win, but win now. Um, and it's not just know. hockey. I think it's across yeah. the board in youth sports, as we both know. You know yeah. Um, there's just there's so much of that mentality going on. And... Um, it's another thing we try to tackle at our youth association. We'd have individual parent, group parent meetings. Yep. So we'd meet with all the might squirt peewee parents individually, let mm-hmm. them know what our coaches expect, what our expectations were for the coaches. And then from a parent standpoint, what their expectations should be. Yep. Like you were just mentioning from the coaching standpoint, from game to practice ratios. Um, you know, it, it um, it's a hard habit in, I guess, shell to break. But once you do, when you start getting people to realize why we're doing these things, then I think it, it'll generally 
become better. Do you find that uh, interacting with parents and uh, being more, uh, having more communication with them is, is, is a positive at the youth level? I know at the high school and college level, sometimes coaches don't want to have interaction with parents. They put the onus on the kids to, to have them start communicating, which I think is fine. But at the same time, at the youth level, like how much interaction do you do with the parents? How much interaction do you let them know what your game plans are, what your practice ratio is and stuff like that? It's another great point. I, um, what I, my nature, I think, is yeah. more to be communicative. Mm-hmm. You know, so I have no problems with going and talking to a parent. Um, I had no problems going up to that parent in the stands that's screaming and yelling at the refs and just tell them, to, hey, let's cool down a little bit, you know, yep. take a breath, maybe take a walk or something before you open your mouth again. Um, I do those types of things, but at the youth level, I was very communicative with the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted them to know what we were doing and what the game plan was. And um, the more you can get those parents involved and get them in the right mindset, I think the better off it is going to be for their players and their kids too, you know, as they go on this life journey of hockey. Um, You know, more is not always better from a parent. But looking back at my parents, like I think we all have a newfound appreciation of what they actually did for us. Yep. You know, driving you up to northern Michigan to Marquette (laughs) to play at, you know, everywhere. Yeah. so I'm amazed at what my parents did, and they never pushed me, though. They yep. just gave me the opportunity to do it. I loved it, and that's kind of what she wrote. Yeah, and I think that's, that's an awesome point you brought up, too, about communication. And, and um, it's one of the things that I've tried to do now with even my, my U6 girls team is, is is I find the coaches right now, and a lot of them are volunteer coaches, so they, they put on the hat. I'm just a volunteer coach. Yep. I, uh, I, I I don't do this. not my profession and things like that, but – um, one of the things I, I'd like to try to get coaches more involved in doing is I love the fact that if you're more communicative with your parents in mites early on, letting them know what the, you know, what your, your plans are, letting them know what your goals are and things like that. As you progress, it's not a culture shock when they get to peewee and the coach says, we're throwing away all the positions. Like I yeah. want you to be able to play everything. And for associations, I urge you guys to start having these conversations now. Have yep. them before these kids hit, you know, their first U8 year. Try to get them in mini mic, the U6. But try to let them know that individual skills is what we're going for or whatever your association's goals are. I think if you do that early on, it will alleviate the, you know, the sticker shock of, of, of implementing a new system or a new process of, of the way you're, you're developing their kids. So, right, right. Um, let them know what the expectations are. Yeah. You know, whether it's even being on time for practice. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, it goes right on down to the most simplest things. Yep. Yeah, and that's I, I think that's awesome too. But um, one of the other questions we have is, um, you know, give me a give me one of the successful teams you've coached, and then let me know why that team was successful. What did you guys do? What was your culture like? Let's see here, Ryan. Um, yeah. I had a I had a besides all the Lawrence teams you were on. <laughs> All right, so we'll leave those out of the mix. I don't want to mess up any details on those, right? Um, I coached a a varsity team at Culver when I was probably in my fourth or fifth year of coaching. Mm -hmm. And the glorious thing about Culver, I think, is that the kids all live together too. Yep. You know, so there's that automatic bond of those kids that are, Mm -hmm. you know, walking up and down the hall when they go to bed next to each other. So there's that bond. But um, we had a special group of guys it was a varsity team. It wasn't the top prep team. So it was a yep. bunch of seniors that didn't, weren't quite good enough to make the prep team. 
but still played in the high school hockey league in Indiana. Yep. And, um, you know, I, I look at back to that, and it was a lot about character of the kids. Yep. And we really gave um, a lot of kids who hadn't had a lot of leadership responsibilities or different things like that nature, you know, the opportunity to step up and be active and take things into action, um, not just talk about it, what they wanted to do, but actually go out there and do it. And when kids bought onto that and the other players kind of accepted their roles on that team, and I think you could take that all the way down to a youth team too. You know, again, it was about managing expectations. Um, I think at Culver, it was when we won the state that year, it was like the 18th year in a row we won the state tournament. So, I mean, we were supposed to win it, but the game went into double overtime, you know, and it just came down to these guys having that inner drive and positive energy. I mean, we weren't going to lose that game because they all were on the same page. And it's one of those times as a coach, you're just like, this is beautiful. You know, like nothing's going to stop us. And, um, yeah. No, you, you realize that uh, when, you, when you look at a lot of the successful teams, uh, they're built around the character of the players. And oh, yeah. they're, they're built around, you know, how many players are going to give and give and give without the expectation. And I think that's something that you find in a lot of teams, you find a lot of successful players and people in life is that, you know, they buy into things, they have character, and then they give, and they give without the expectation, um, you know, and then that's infectious. It goes right. out everywhere. It just becomes um, a part of who you are. Yep. Yeah. And I, I hope a lot of kids start understanding that two of the younger ages that, like, you know, to give without expectation uh, for your team, the benefits are just they're through the roof. Right. Um, but you you also coach um, Middleton's high school's JV team, right? Yeah. And yep. when you coach them at the youth level, and these players come to you, uh, most of them are raw. They're you know they're pretty raw. They they have some um, they have some learning to do. Uh, mm-hmm. If you have some advice to youth coaches at the Pee Wee Bantam level or even squirt level two of of things that you think that you'd wish some of these kids who had more of or or they could work on skating, skating, skating yeah. was a big one. Um, and, um, you know, I look back and I've had a lot of discussions with different people across Madison and, and the Wisconsin about that. Um, we used to have power skating that was available, and especially here in Madison. We had a group of ladies that did power skating. And I remember for probably those formative years we were talking about, maybe end of squirts through the beginning of Bantams, almost once or twice a week I would go out without a stick yep. and without – I mean, we weren't allowed to bring a stick on the ice, and we just skate, you know. And um, I don't think – and it, it's hard right now because that's where the balance comes in with youth coaches these days, you know, and skill development, um, systems, you know, and everything else that they want to put into it. And skating is very important, but it's always often something that you don't get to work on as much as you want unless you're doing it outside of a practice situation. Yeah. Um, so I would say that that skating is a big thing for high, new high school players. Um, pace of the game, you know. Yeah. And then for me, my biggest challenge is getting them to practice like they're going to play. Yeah. And and that's my thing that I hit home all the time. Um, a few little key points that I bring up in my practices are, you know, head up. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to be watching yourself skate, you know. How are you going to know what what the next move is or where the next pass is if you don't have your head up? I mean, that, something as simple as that should be emphasized at the might level. <laughs> and by the time they reach 
you know, freshman year in high school or sophomore year in high school, that's yeah. something that they should know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and then as far as, um, you know, the, from a parent's perspective, and you've coached at NCAA level, you've coached at some high level at Culver, um, you've been around the game quite a bit. Do you have some advice for a parent, just, you know, a youth parent right now that's looking to get their kid to the NCAA level or a high-level high school as far as things that, you know, they should be not looking to improve upon, but just overall, any advice you have for them? Yep. Um, like I told you, my my parents kind of were on the back burner when it came yep. to making sure that I was out shooting pucks yep. or I was going on a bike ride or I was keeping myself active. I mean, I was just kind of naturally that type of a kid that would just go do things on my own. Yep. Um, and there's millions of stories out there about the, the parent that made their kid go shoot 100 pucks a night you know, down in the basement all by himself, you know, and those types of things. Um, some of them had success. Some of them didn't. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest thing um, for sport in general is that it's a huge life experience. Yep. Having guys like you on board now with you and your team and the hockey factory mm-hmm. and being able to get these guys that extra training that they need, that mm-hmm. extra know-how, intelligence, everything else in between, is certainly something that I didn't have the opportunity to do at my age, you know? So I just move on to the next sport. Yeah. Whatever season it was, that's what I do and maybe play an extra camp in the summer or Mm -hmm. something. But, you know, we didn't have the spring leagues. We didn't have the summer leagues and those types of things as much besides like a one day a week thing. So I think that the more opportunities you can present to your kids to get them to that next level is, is really the basis of what you can do, you yeah. know, then it's going to be up to your kid to decide on their own, obviously with parent talks and stuff, is this what I want? Yep. You know, and you know, the kids that want it because they're the ones that are going to be there early stick handling. They're going to be the ones that are staying late. They're going to be the ones, you know, doing everything little that they can because it's a part of their nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so as long as you give the opportunities, then you'll find out if that is indeed going to be the path for your kid. Um, yep you know, as they grow up and keep playing the game. Yeah, it's funny because, like, uh, it's one of the things that I, I, I tell parents all the time. And, and right now is one of the perfect times with the situations that we have with, um, you know, us being at home it's in about player development and things like that. Yep. Is that, like, right now development only happens one way. And development only comes from one person. It doesn't come from, you know, having the best coaches. It doesn't come from playing in the best league or having the best teammates, the best nutritionist or trainer or things like that. Development happens with one person, and it's the kid. And it can't happen with anybody else. You can be a parent that's going to push your kid, or you can be a parent that's pretty laissez-faire and sits back and lets them mature and work out on their own. But the bottom line is the people who make it to the NHL or make it to the NCAA level, they make it because they want it, right? Like. They're in charge of their development. And as coaches, we can sit back and try to give them every opportunity. And and it's one of the things we struggle with at the hockey factories. We try to give them every opportunity. But unless that kid wants it, he's never going to get it. And and as coaches, I think a lot of us, we stress out because we're trying our best to make sure that these coaches can go or these players can go out there and become great hockey players. But we also have to take a step back and realize that, hey, like, and parents sometimes have to step back and realize, hey, like, yeah. It also falls on the kid, and if a kid doesn't want to be great, he just wants to be a normal kid. That's fine. But if a kid wants to be great, it's got the the onus starts on him or her. It does so, one hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
lastly, we have two more questions for you. Um, and it's uh, one is, um, you know, we talked about advice for a hockey parent and things like that. Um, go back to a young Dave Rooley, like 12, 13 years old. Hmm. If you could give yourself one piece of advice and one piece of advice alone, what would it be? Well, Ryan, <laughs> um, I would have to say that, like, obviously we all want to go back and play now because we know yeah. so much more about the game and, and strategy and everything else in between, maybe, you know, what we've learned along the way. But, um, you know, I had it, I had it pretty nice. I'm not going to yeah. And I'm thinking about something that I, I wish – I had, I was able to change. I probably would have focused more on my own. I mean, I shot pucks. Yep. I rollerbladed. I did a lot of different sports. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I was ever blessed with the best set of hands. Yeah. You know, and I think I would have done more, um, more stick handling, mm-hmm. more, just more of those types of things that in today's world, I could go and Google and find a YouTube video on how to do it in two seconds. Yep. You know, so that's one of the best things I think about the being able to develop it at this current time right now yeah. is that you can go find Patrick Kane's stick handling drill and go do it in the driveway, you know, if you're motivated enough to do it. Um, so I think when I look back on it, I think, I mean, I always pride myself on being a good team player. Yep. Um, I was blessed to have a pretty good skating stride. And I think that if I really wanted to get myself all the way up to that next level, I think it would have been more of my own individual skill development as far as puck handling goes, you know. Awesome. Yep. Well, uh, that is all the questions that I do have for you today. Uh, I just wanted to leave it. Do you have any last, um, like, tidbits you'd like to share or advice or anything like that again? But, uh, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just – I'm so happy you're able to bring me on here, Ryan, Mm -hmm. and I'm really happy with the the job you guys are doing and just watching the guy I used to coach – Putting all this together, I think it's just absolutely fantastic, and I'm just really glad you let me be a part of it. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, and I hope everyone is uh, staying safe out there. I hope everyone's, uh, you know, trying to improve their skills and getting better. But uh, thanks again for coming on, and uh, good luck, everybody. Of course, Ryan. You too. Take care. Be safe. You there? Oops.